It's the ABCs High School Teachers Really Need to Know, Season 2, Episode 10, Justify Your Homework Practices. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe, or buy the books on Amazon.com. And it's good to be back with you here on this beautiful week. Uh, Hopefully it's beautiful where you are. It's actually raining uh, where I am right now. I'm recording this over the weekend, and so it is a little bit rainy down here, but it is still beautiful. Uh, Just, just... I, I don't know. I love rain. I, something about it. Uh, you may hear my voice. I'm fighting the crud yet again. I know it's an ongoing theme, uh, but uh, it's it's been kind of nice with the rain and just kind of sitting in front of the fire and relaxing and watching a little football and trying to recover, not only health-wise, but also just try to get some rest in as the semester is just clicking along and it's been busy. It's been a really busy couple of weeks for me. I, I, I don't know about you, but you know, as the spring gets here, and of course you know that I'm involved with athletics in addition to all the teaching things that I do, and you know, academic competitions really kind of heat up. So it's been real, real, real busy, but just rewarding, and I'm sure that doesn't help me getting well and staying well either, but that's okay. It's all part of the game, and, I, and again, I hope that uh, uh, you're, you're doing fantastic. So this week's episode is called Justify Your Homework Practices, and and, and I think that that kind of puts teachers on guard just at, you know, just at the initial thought of hearing that title. And I don't want to do that. It's actually something that I really had to think about many, many years ago because you know as well as I do that work-life balance for students as well as for teachers is becoming more and more difficult to do just that, and that's balance. And, you know, with the technology that's available and just the resources that are available between online databases and artificial intelligence. Man, I hope you've seen this artificial intelligence stuff too, by the way, that you know can basically write papers and um, you know answer questions and personalize things. You should check it out. And if you're a parent, you should definitely be aware. And if you're an educator, which obviously you probably are if you're listening to this, you should definitely be aware. It's been something I've been following for a couple of years, and it's really made its appearance onto the scene. So keep an eye on it. But with all those kinds of resources, it, it really does get get you to think about what it what it looks like to give kids work that they have to accomplish at home. In addition to the work-life balance question, right? You know, they they're working and, and they're so busy and you know how do you how do you justify taking more of that time at home? And so it's really as if getting time for kids to prepare for anything is becoming more and more problematic. There's more and more just struggles with getting kids to do those kinds of things. I'm seeing it with things like long-term projects that I'm assigning or that the you know schools are, are assigning. It's, it's becoming a problem because honestly... And, I, and I've said this to you before, but I believe that one of the biggest threats to our society is is the check mark, you know, the checkbox mentality, where we're just checking things off the list because we're just so busy and we're just trying to survive. And I think sometimes, you know, the things that really matter are taking a hit. And, and, and so what we're seeing as teachers is a lack of preparation. Students, because of shortened attention spans, uh, tighter schedules, 
And just a variety of factors like that and related to those things, kids are just not able to prepare at and and, and doing that at home is is even worse, right? You know, getting them to do that at home where they're not copying off someone or not using internet resources or artificial intelligence now. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost an impossible ask. And so you really have to begin to rethink that because, you know, your initial thought is, well, you want to motivate students, right, to be able to want to stay focused and want to practice for, you know, whatever they're trying to do in the, the given unit or in your classroom or whatever. Uh, so you want them motivated. You want them to understand that homework and preparation is for a higher purpose. But at the same time, you also don't want cheating and the rampant things that go on with, you know, using the internet and all those other things. Uh, you don't want that to kind of skew your grades and you don't want to be throwing away metrics and giving away hundreds because kids are copying off each other or sharing ideas or interneting answers and all those kinds of things. And so, and, and then, you know, getting a hundred and then skewing your grades. So it, it's a battle. It's a struggle. And it's only going to get worse. I, I hate to be negative about it, but it is. And so I think in today's world, regardless of what subject you're in, I think you really have to justify your rationale behind giving work away from the classroom. And I'm just going to share my approach and sort of my philosophy with it. And, you know, take it or leave it. I'm not saying it's the only way. I'm just going to share with you what kind of works for me as well as my thought process behind it. Now, again, I teach in science, but science doesn't just look one way. You know, science, homework, and stuff at home, like in biology, for example, is going to look a lot like reading, right? It's going to look like English homework in a lot of ways, as far as literature, you're reading content. Whereas in engineering or the chemistry classes that I've taught, those th that homework sort of looks like math homework, right? Where you're getting math problems, but of course they're chemistry problems. And, and so it's going to look a lot like that. And so when I say science, I want you to understand that I'm coming at this from a variety of different subject areas. Because I think this is a problem that's universal to all subject areas. So again, you've got to kind of justify what it is that your goals, um, what, what goals are you trying to meet with whatever you're trying to get them to do? And when I say homework, let me also be clear. I'm not just talking about written homework or anything like that. I'm, I'm That's included, but I'm also talking about projects or the all-important just reading. You know, how do you get kids to read? So those kinds of things, That's that I'm encompassing all of that when I talk about homework. So, again, you've got to justify those things. And, again, I'm going to give you my approach. So, first of all, in general, I try to minimize as much homework as possible. Written homework, that is. Just the bottom line for me is I think that I can get enough of that out of them in class. And when I say written homework... I'm talking about worksheets, and I, I'm not big on factory-produced worksheets. I use a, I use them occasionally if I think they're really good or if they're worksheets that I've kind of found from other teachers. Uh, and, and if I do use them, I want to be clear. They're always, always, always practice. And the grade 
that uh, they get on them is worth relatively little in 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 the grade book because again if they want to copy I make it I make it well known to them if I'm going to use these factory worksheets I, I even tell them in class I'm like look if you're so lazy that you know you're going to go to the internet or go to a friend as opposed to helping your own grades helping your own knowledge I'll give you the website or I'll hook you up with a friend who you can go copy answers from I just kind of pull the curtain back and that may shock some of you but I'm just not going to play that game with them where you know we're going to play this song and dance, and they pretend to do something, and uh, and then and then get a hundred for it that's worth anything. So instead, what I'm doing is reminding them that yeah, sure, you'll get a, a minor, minor, and I mean minor grade for your performance on this on this worksheet, but where it really is going to move the needle for you, whether you do it or not, is on the summative assessments. So, because again, that's the difference. You're talking about something that's assigned for practice. And of course, when I say minor grade, that means I'm giving them feedback. And I will give them feedback, whether they copied it or not. Of course, I'm not going to know that, right? Unless they, you know, copy something directly off and I, and I catch that, which I have many a times, like all of us. But again, I don't really use a whole bunch of those factory sort of assessments. I may give one every few weeks just because there's some standardized idea or, and, and, and look, I'll tell you, I value standardized assessments occasionally because I think, you know, I like to see how they're doing on those kinds of things. I don't want them just doing well on my assessments. I want them doing well on generally produced assessments that, so that way I know that they're not getting used to my language alone and those kinds of things. <clears throat> but most of the time, my written homework is reflective in nature. We've done something in lab or I'm going to want some response from them. They're going to have to comment on something that happened in class. They're going to have to use thought and then illustrate their thought, draw out their thoughts, those kinds of things. That self-reflective, self-response type of assignment, I think absolutely works best in the homework arena. Because again, they can't really copy that. They can't really, obviously, mass cheat on that. And and so I think that's the approach that I use when it comes to assigning that kind of work. And when it comes to reading, I think the biggest thing for reading is I, I think that you need to make sure, you know, they're kids. No matter how old your secondary kids are, they're still kids. Whether they're 18 or whether they're 13, doesn't matter. They're still kids. I think it's really important that you break reading up if you're going to assign it. You know, it's very difficult for a child of any age to, to, to be assigned, say, 30 pages of reading and say, I need you to get this done, blah, blah. I, I think it's easier, and I have been more successful when I assign just a couple of pages and, and sort of help them sort of schedule that. You know, I think that's one of the big struggles for high schoolers in general. I think that they are figuring out the organization piece. Some are better at it than others. But I think anything that we can do to kind of help them with that, I think it's important. And I also think that with the attention span issues and all of that kind of stuff, I think it's really important that, you know, you really break that up and and try to assist them 
uh, to the best of your ability. You know, and, and, and talking about reading, you know, of course, it's motivation to want to do well and the motivation to want to succeed and get better. And we've talked, you know, countless weeks and countless episodes on that. But I do think whether you're dealing with sort of this idea of reading or whether they're doing a project, you know, with every project that I do, I, I require checkpoints and updates. And I think those things are important because you do want to see that they're making progress. And I think the the more kind of checkpoints and updates that you have from kids, they are going to be more successful. So so I, I do. So I guess in a nutshell, and I know I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but I'm just kind of in my mind going through some of the things that I do to try to protect them from themselves and also yield the best results out of the classroom. So, so again, just to kind of summarize here. So again, I, with, with, with reading, I'm going to break it up in, in all of my assignments, whether that be reading projects, I'm, I'm going to set checkpoints and updates. I'm going to break up a, a chapter or some internet resource. If I'm having them read it or use it or whatever, if they're working on a project. I'm going to have them, do steps one through two and on this day and then steps three through four the next day just to kind of help them learn to plan. If I'm giving written written assignments, I, I try to shy away from factory stuff. I try to, you know, lead in the direction of reflective sorts of homework where they are working and preparing based on something that they have done in class. And look, by the way, and I should have said this a minute ago, when you are giving homework of any kind, I would tell you, I would just just beg you not to give homework that's due the next day. That That's just so hard. That's hard for anybody. And, and I, I, I don't think that's a very collegiate model either, just being honest with you. And I know they're kids and they need that they need that structure, they need that help, and that's what we've been talking about already in this episode. But I think when you as a teacher give them one night to do something, I, I think that's tough. I, I, I do. I think the 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 just doing that as little as possible is just the most pro student student centered thing you can do. And I know some of you, particularly in math right now, you're like, well wait, but if if they don't practice for a day or two day or two, they're getting behind I would argue that's true in every subject, but I also would argue that really it comes back just in this discussion in general is that I think you should focus on using your class time as maximally as possible. I think the value of your actual class time, whether that be a 50 minute period or an hour and 15 block, whatever you have with them, I think we have to focus on using that class time so efficiently. And and if you believe, as I do, that class time should include exploration time and time for them to actually practice, not just you browbeating them with notes or, you know, problems or whatever. I, I think you have to let them work while they're in front of you and not because we're so worried about taking time out of their day. I mean, that the work-life balance is important, but honestly, I want kids to practice while I'm there to help give them some feedback. And so you'll find that when I do give homework, written or reading or reflective or whatever the nature is, I actually, one, assign it several days out. But two, I always allow them time to work on it in class. And you know what? They don't cheat because I'm sitting right there. 
and also they're practicing and they ask questions. And, and, and what's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with them getting feedback? Isn't that what the goal of it is anyway? And so the more that you can work on that kind of system, I think you're just going to find more success and more meaning in homework in general and in the work that you assign in general, homework or not. I, I just, I, I guess what I'm saying is you need a class valued by student and by teacher. There has to be valuable things going on. And, and again, the teacher as a facilitator should facilitate a process that includes them practicing while they're in front of you. And then things that they have to absolutely prepare at home. And again, for me, that's a last resort. I mean, it happens, but I, I want them to try to have access to me and what they need in class. But if they do have to do things at home and prepare at home, which is inevitable, I think it's important to use checkpoints and updates and make sure that you're using common sense about, you know, are they copying and don't play that one-two dance with them where they're getting something off the internet because you've downloaded something that they can easily find and you give them a hundred, they're not learning anything and they're getting this inflated grade. That whole song and dance I think has to be eliminated. I think you got to focus on motivation. I think you got to focus on making sure that there's value. I, I know I've said that three or four times in your class, but I, I just do. They need to rely upon you. You know, and you hear a lot of theories and suggestions on what we should do with homework and should it be banned? Should you put a 15-minute time limit? I, I think that's hard to do. I think I, I don't think you can put education in a box and say we're going to sign 15 minutes per class or you know, because that's just not real world, right? And I also don't think you can just say homework in general is banned because things take preparation. How are you supposed to ever do projects and have them problem solve with things at home or doing those kinds of things? I think that's a really tough thing. So I don't think either of those approaches work. So instead, I think you have to do exactly what I'm suggesting you do, and that's to justify each and every assignment that you give them, not only homework, but in general. And if you are going to ask them to do something at home, make sure it's valuable. Don't waste their time. Make sure there's an actual learning goal and make sure you give them feedback. You know, and I might ruffle some feathers here, but, you know, it's interesting. I was looking at a math assignment about a week and a half ago and, and I saw a teacher assign 30 problems, 30 math problems which is not that unusual. I remember having 30, you know, 30 even or 30 odd. I remember the days of doing that. But here's what I was noticing about the problems. About 20 of them were the same, maybe more. They're the same problem. So in some ways, we're just eating into the time of, of a student practicing the same stuff over and over again, not to mention the side note of, how that's teaching them to memorize how to solve problems as opposed to actually working their way through it. But I, I think we should default to maybe not, not just in math, but across the board, think about mixing skills. And again, giving practice, you know, that's due three, four, five days out. And that way you're mixing a bunch of different skills and you don't have all this redundancy that just is so, so burdensome when it comes to a schedule. I just think those are the kinds of things that we have to think about. And again, if you're not going to give feedback and if you're not going to be able to make sense of why you're doing what you're doing and assigning what you're assigning, I think you got to nix it. I do. 
you know, again, I don't believe that it should be illegal for teachers to be able to 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 require kids to prepare. I, I, I don't. I just think we have to take a good hard look at why we assign what we assign. And then I think we need to remember work-life balance. I think we have to encourage kids to balance themselves. I think that makes them better people. Uh, I think that makes them better students, actually. You know, you want a student who's well-prepared, but you also want a student who's well-rested. And so I think it's a, a mixture of all of those things. And so I think instead of adding to the problem, we can help the problem by making sure we, we every assignment we give has value, reflects our learning goals, and is cognizant, empathetic of the schedule that and the lives that students of today live. I don't think we live in a bubble. I, I can't just in my classroom live in a bubble and pretend like students don't have five other classes. And as a parent, I think it's important that we, you know, specifically, not, not meaning I'm a parent, but I'm saying from the parent's perspective, I think it's important that we show that empathy, but at the same time have our expectations. And it's much easier to have our expectations and stand behind those expectations as well as those assignments that we give if they make sense. You know, if you as a teacher assign something that's due in a day and a half and requires a thousand things from the grocery store that they've got to put together uh, and, and, and do and illustrate and you're not looking at the other things that are going on around school and you've given them very little time to do things. I just, I'm sorry. It's just hard to justify that for me. It is. And that's the other thing. I think I mentioned this a couple of times, but any assignment that you give in the classroom or otherwise, but particularly in the homework environment, it needs to have a clear learning goal. It can't be soft learning goals. Soft skills, if we're going to do that kind of teaching, I think we've got to focus on that kind of stuff in the classroom. Because honestly, the family time is family time, right? And so again, if there has to be preparation outside of class and practice, let's make sure that the the learning goals are absolutely clear. I think that's going to help you win with students particularly if you're empathetic to their calls and they understand that you give them multiple days, you know, and I rarely, rarely have students not turn in homework to me because I, I just, they just know my approach and they get plenty of time. They have class time to do it and they get feedback from me. I just think it's better. My kids read and I know because I have formative assessments that measure that. You work the motivation end. I think those kinds of things are important. I really do. And from the cheating and copying perspective, they don't have to do those things. Because they're sitting in my classroom, they have time to do it. And the times when they have to go home, that stuff is self-reflective. And you couple that also with the fact, as as you know, I don't give zeros for assignments not turned in. I, I don't. I give them, they can turn it in whenever they turn it in. Uh, and, and, and again, that may shock several of you who have forgotten that, that I do that. Uh, but again, the goal is for them to get uh, the information learned, show the knowledge skills. That's what I focus on because I don't want to skew their grades. I want their grades to reflect mastery. But I just think that's all of those things. And, and, and look, and in case you're sitting there going, oh, that'd be a hot mess in my classroom. Um, 
I think you would find that's not true. I actually, when I stopped giving zeros for assignments not turned in, I actually had assignments turned in on time more often, actually. And and when they are turned in, I, the, just the quality of homework has improved dramatically. Not just because of that policy and they know they don't have to cheat and rush to get something finished, but coupled with all the other things that I've said, they've got plenty of time on the front end. They get class time, access to me, and then I, I give them reflective work. I give them checkpoints. I just think these are good practices that we as educators absolutely have to consider. I just think that if you don't, then you're kind of setting your, yourself up for failure. And you're certainly going to skew your grades with nonsense grading. Uh, and you're going to get little motivation and effort from your kids. And that defeats the purpose. I just think you have to justify why you give what you give. Just a thought. All right. Well, that is it. Thank you so much for being here this week. Uh, again, I'm sorry I was under the weather again, but, you know, surviving. We'll get there. Hopefully next week I'm feeling a lot better. We'll see you then. Have a wonderful week.